Uh, turn, please, to the third chapter of Matthew this evening. Now, uh, let me give you a little bit more instruction on what we're going to do in this study. Uh, you know, I'm reading the chapters just like you are. Uh, that'd be wrong for me to do anything else. I'm reading them, uh, just the chapter, and then I read that chapter in my study notes, you know, with all the Greek stuff and all that. So I'm taking some time looking at each word and I'm making notes. And dear me, I mean, <laughs> I, how could we ever cover all that's in there? We can't. We, we cannot do a verse-by-verse study of this. And I don't think that's what we're supposed to do. And nor is it our purpose, I believe, that we should try to study all the teachings of Jesus. But what are we looking for? What does the title suggest? The works and the what? The ways of Jesus. That's what we're looking for. So I'll deal with verses that you have read, and then I may go back and look at verses that you've already read, and we may, you know, we'll be going back and forth throughout the study. And of course, one good thing about it is when you finish Matthew, then you're going to start what? Mark. So you're going to be looking at some of the same things again, right? Then we're going to look at them again in Luke. Then we're going to look at them again in John. Amen. And we're going to be in better shape by the time we finish this. Amen. Uh, Why don't you look at our text again? I've got you in Matthew, but go back, hold your place there and go to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. There is just so much to do here. (laughs) I just, I've had to talk to myself a little bit. Because I get to praying about this place and I get to praying about you guys and everybody else the Lord's going to bring. And it just, there's so much, I want to have a seminar every night, you know, and there's so much to do. We got to get to a place in faith and spiritually because God has some things he's planned to do. And you know, people say, well, I'm ready for him. Are you? Huh? Huh? That's sometimes uh, people are not thinking right a lot. Just look at all this rain. If the ground is really, really dry and hard, and we say, well, we're ready for a deluge. Are you? You're not. Because especially if the ground's really hard and dry, all that water hits it, most of it's going to do what? Just run off. And so people sometimes are praying for a flood when what they need is a mist. Because <laughs> that's what they can handle. <laughs> that's what they could receive. And that's one reason I want you reading one chapter. Taking one verse at a time. Savoring it. Because you'd be better off, you know, if you spent a month on a verse, but you got something. You got something you could live. Amen. That you put into practice. Then you would be reading the whole Bible three times. And just saying I've read it. Because it's not the hearers. It's not the knowers. It's not the note takers. It's not the tape players. It's not the church goers. That are blessed. Tell me who it is that's blessed. It's the, the doers. The doers. Say it again. I'm a doer. 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 
of the Word of God. Psalm 103, verse 7, said, He, God, made known His ways unto Moses and His acts unto the children of Israel. The Israelites saw the miracles, they saw the wonders, they saw the signs. But even after all that, you know the story, after all the things they had seen, they heard God speaking out of the fire of the mountain, and just a few days later, built a golden calf. Hmm? They seen him rain bread out of the sky every day, water out of a rock. Miracles, a glory cloud hanging over the camp. You could walk out of your tent anytime and look up and see the manifest presence of God. Burned like a post of fire all night long. Every day and every night. You know you can get used to anything. And after all that, when something didn't go quite right, they'd come out and say, we're all going to die out here. And gripe. And grumble, and I'm sick of this manna. I'm just fed up with manna in the morning, manna for lunch, and manna for supper. I'm never stopping to think what you'd have if you didn't have that. There were no grocery stores out there, no drive throughs. They never learned his ways. What was his way? His way is the way of faith, trusting him. Believing in him, obeying him. You know, God never planned for them to wander around out there for 40 years. They were supposed to learn some faith lessons and go right on through. But when you don't learn the lesson, what happens? You get to take it again. And when you fail the first grade for 10 years, what do you do? You get to take it again. And when you're really hard-headed... And after 35 years, all you can do is gripe and bellyache and grumble and holler about we all going to die out here. What do you get to do? You get to hang around out there and die out there. And it wasn't God's perfect will. It wasn't his plan. It was because they didn't understand him. They didn't know his way. They saw what he was doing, but they didn't know his ways. And Jesus is... The complete revelation of the ways of God. Don't you remember he told his disciples? They said, show us the Father. In John 14, he said, what? Have I been all this time with you and you don't know me? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. When you're reading these chapters, what are you seeing? You're seeing Jesus and you're seeing the revealed will of the Father. For all people, for all time. You don't have to wonder, what is the will of God? What did Jesus do? What did he say? How did he treat people? How did he deal with problems? How did he deal with sickness? How did he deal with the devil? How did he deal with needs being met? All these things are revealing to us, not just that Jesus was God and could do what he wanted to do. If that's all the way you think, you're missing the bigger picture. He's revealing to us the will of God. Because you and I are to operate just like him. Is that true? 1 John 2, 6 says, He that says he abides in him ought himself also so to walk even as 
He walked. If you say you're a Christian and you say I'm in Jesus, then the scripture said you're supposed to walk just like him. Don't say that's too high. Say I can. Now most people don't believe that they can, but it's the call. Well, how can I walk like Jesus? I've already messed up. Yeah, but because of the blood. Because of the opportunity to be forgiven and cleansed. No matter that you've messed up so many times, you can get forgiven and stand up clean like Jesus again. Oh, glory to God. It's wonderful. So back to Matthew now. We looked at the plan of God last week. We looked at the protection of God last week. And we talked about his ways of how he leads us and how he protects us and keeps us. Some interesting things, some important things. But going on today, we see in the third chapter of Matthew, the beginning of Jesus' ministry in chapters 3 and 4. And we want to see how he ministered and how he operated. Because all of us have a part of Jesus' ministry. You don't have to stand behind a pulpit or be a pastor or a missionary to have a ministry. All of us are to be ambassadors for Christ. To represent him to the world. Amen. And all of us have a message. And that is that God loves people. And the price has already been paid. And you don't have to be a preacher to tell somebody about Jesus. And all of us have a ministry. Won't you say it out loud. I have a ministry. ministry. Do you know what your ministry is? See, Are you doing your ministry? If not you need to get with it. Get to seeking God about it. Because you're not getting any younger. And you don't retire from your ministry until you breathe your last or the trumpet sounds. You might retire from your profession, from your career, but you don't retire from your, well, I'm, you know, I'm just going to quit and fish now. Not with the things of God. You ought to always, God has gifts and abilities and things in you that are a blessing to the body of Christ. But you've got to use them. You don't want to be like the one talent guy that went and hid his. And did nothing with it. Said out loud, I'm a blessing. I have gifts and graces in me that the church needs. And I'm not going to hide them. See, it can be simple. It can be so just as simple as being a good friend. Amen. As being a good cook. Being a good seamstress, being a good lawyer, being a good doctor, being a good grocery stocker. I mean, the king is served by the field. How many understand if somebody didn't work on buildings, we wouldn't be here tonight. Right? And if somebody didn't grow food, I wouldn't be here tonight. I'd have starved and you'd have starved. All this connects to the ministry if we do it under God. I mean, you can sit down at a meal. The Bible talks about your food is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. You can sit down to a meal and call that steak into the ministry. Yeah. Or those potatoes or whatever they might be. Why? Because I'm going to use the strength I get from that to serve God. And every dollar that you make on the job, you can sanctify to God's use. Then your pumping gas becomes kingdom related. If you do it as a witness to whoever you're pumping gas for and that your money and your life is going to serve the Lord in some way. There's a bigger picture here. In chapter 3 of Matthew, 
Jesus was baptized in the river, you remember. Matthew 3. And the scripture said that when he uh, came up out of the water, verse 16, Matthew 3, 16. He went up straightway out of the water and lo, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God. This is discerning of spirits. Like is mentioned over in 1 Corinthians 12. Now you'll find that I'm going to touch a lot of things as we go through here. We're going to interweave a lot of things into these teachings. Discerning of spirits is seeing, discerning, and seeing into the spirit realm. How many believe there is a realm of the spirit? God is a spirit. Angels are spirits. The devil and demons are spirits. And heaven is real, right? Hell is real. You're not just a human being, physical, with a brain and a mind. You're a spirit. You're sitting there right now looking at me through those two windows we call eyes. And I say, well, I saw so-and-so. Well, really, I just saw the house they live in because you're inside there. Amen? You're a spirit. God is a spirit. Well, there are times that God opens our eyes to see into the realm of the spirit. How many know there are angels here tonight? We don't see them, but they're here. They're here to help us, here to protect us, here to join in with us in our praise. Amen, a number of things. But if God opened our eyes, we'd see it. We'd see a lot of things. There are times the presence of God could be manifested in such a way. But now don't try to get, you know, to seek to see these things. Because the enemy can try to mess you up if you just seek after seeing stuff. We don't want to just see stuff. We want to please God. And you know what pleases him most? Faith. And walking by faith is not seeing. It pleases him the most when you don't see, but you believe. Anyhow. So don't, you know, sometimes people clamor, well, I just want to see your glory. I want to see the power manifest. I want to see an angel. Why? Why? Sometimes people are more interested in the power than they are God. They're more interested in the miracle than they are in God. And that's not a good thing. Don't seek and clamor after these things. You could go all your life and never see an angel. It wouldn't mean that you're unspiritual. It wouldn't mean that anything's wrong with you. God just didn't see fit to give you that discerning of spirits. But then there are cases where you have these kind of things. Jesus came up out of the water and he saw the Spirit of God come down on him and rest upon him. Apparently John the Baptist saw it too. He talks about that. That was a sign the Lord had given him ahead of time. That the one he saw the Spirit coming on like that would be the one. But apparently not everybody saw it. Let's keep reading. He descended upon him in verse 17, a voice from heaven. This also has to do with discerning the spirits. You can hear things. But again, please do not seek to hear voices. People have gotten messed up. That's why some people are in the mental institutions today. Trying to hear voices. I don't want to hear voices. I want to hear God. Amen. And if he ever saw fit to speak to me like this, well, good, great. 
but I know how to hear him from the word. Amen. I know how to hear him from the witness inside. I know how to hear him in teaching and preaching. Amen. And that's usually the way he talks to us. But there are spectacular things as well. Here's a voice. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Isn't that about one of the greatest things that the father could say about you? Can you please him? Well, that was weak, guys. Did you see that was? was, People are like, well, I I don't know. It's possible. Amen. For you to please God. I know years ago we were visiting some people that we had led to the Lord some months before. And I asked this young lady, I said, have y'all been reading your Bible at all? Since we, you know, prayed with you and led you to the Lord. She said, well, no, Brother Keith, we, we haven't. And you know, I guess nobody could ever read their Bible enough. And when she said that, something bothered me inside about that statement, but I didn't know why. But later on, I was praying about some things, and that came up to me that she had said that. Well, no, Brother Keith, I don't guess anybody could ever read their Bible enough. Have you ever heard that before? Or, Lord, I don't guess anybody could pray enough, you know. And something bothered me about that statement. And as I was waiting on the Lord and praying, he began to speak to my heart. I don't mean an audible voice, but inside me. He said, Keith, am I unreasonable? I said, no, sir, I don't believe you're unreasonable. I thought about that phrase again. Nobody could read their Bible enough. He said, am I unreasonable? I thought, well, no, sir, you're not unreasonable. He said, well, then can you read your Bible enough? I thought, well, we've always heard you couldn't. (laughs) He said, am I unreasonable? Can you pray enough? Because people have that idea, well, you, I don't guess you could ever pray enough. He asked me again, am I unreasonable? I said, no, sir, I don't believe you are. He said, then you can pray enough to please me. You can read your Bible enough to please me. You can obey me in a day and please me in a day. He said, I know you got to sleep. I know you got a job. I know you've got a family. I know you got to get dressed and brush your teeth and comb your hair. I don't expect you to be reading scripture 24 hours a day. I don't expect you to be praying all the time when you're talking to somebody at a meal. You can pray enough. How would you know that you had prayed enough? Thank God we got the Holy Spirit inside us. We got a witness and you'll have a knowing. Amen. It'll be a satisfaction. You just go, okay, all right, that's good for now. And if you'll follow that through every part of your life, God will be able to look at you and say, that's my son. That's my daughter in whom I am well pleased. Why? Because they do always those things that please me. He didn't expect you to know everything. He didn't expect you to break some kind of records. Reading scripture and praying, he'd expect you to move away and not take care of your family and and not take care of your responsibilities. Follow your heart.
Let me ask you again. Can you please God? Yes, yes you can. But see, that's really a cop-out. People do that. They say, well, you know, the devil lies to them and they believe it. Well, ain't no way I could please God anyway, so why even try? Because I could never do it enough. That is a lie. Say it out loud. I'm a God pleaser. I always do those things that please him. Amen. Do you notice that the father was pleased with Jesus as a man? As his son, Jesus, his son, before he was ever Jesus, the preacher. Before he was ever Jesus, the miracle worker. And first and foremost is our fellowship with God. We don't just find acceptability with God through our deeds and our works. Our life is the most important thing. Your life is where your ministry comes from. Sometimes people think, well, they, you know, my life is a mess, but my ministry is pretty okay. Cannot be. I said it cannot be. You cannot be a basket case and then come to church and flip on your spiritual switch (laughs) and have it all together. You might fool a few people, but you cannot have what you're supposed to have. You're no more spiritual in church than you are in your garage or in your backyard. Now you might be more anointed, but you're not any more spiritual. You are what you are everywhere you go. So more than trying to have a ministry, more than that, we need to focus on our first call, which is fellowship with God. To know Him, to be close to Him, to be comfortable with Him, So that he's pleased with us, not just as a preacher, he's pleased with us as his child. Amen. Amen. And then that's the foundation that all these other things operate by, from. In the fourth chapter immediately, you see him led in to the wilderness where he's tempted of the devil 40 days and 40 nights. And notice what the tempter kept hitting him with. What did he keep bugging him about? What was the thing that he used to tempt him concerning? If you are, read it, if you be the son of God, then do this. If you be the son of God, then make these stones into bread. If you be the son of God, then throw yourself off the pinnacle of the temple. Friends, we are not called to prove anything to the devil or to men. That's basically what the devil is doing. He's challenging him. Okay, and if you've walked very long with God, you've heard it. Some form or another. Okay, you're a faith man. Then do this. Prove it. Do you know you need to not respond to that? They even told Jesus at one point, they said, you know, the works that we heard you do in these other places, come do them here in your own hometown. Basically, they put out a challenge to him. He said, you'll say this proverb to me, you know, physician, heal yourself. The things we've heard about you doing, do them here in your own hometown. You know, he didn't. I said, do you know he didn't? He didn't accept their challenge. He didn't try to prove it. 
I've had people just desperate go, well, I've got to prove, you know, they had a sickness in their body. I've got to prove that this healing is real to my family. No, you do not. Get off of that. That'll only hurt your faith. I've got to show the devil. No, Jesus has already shown the devil. All right? He, he's shown the devil off. Stripped him and brought him to naught. You're not going to show the devil anything Jesus hadn't already shown him. I got to prove this to my church. No, you do not. No. It is a relief, friends, when you quit trying to be the Savior. When you quit trying to be the healer. When you quit trying to be the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. When you quit trying to be the head of the church and you just go, Lord, my job is to believe you and obey you and follow you. Amen. You've read in these scriptures sometimes when some of the greatest miracles, I mean, blind eyes open, deaf ears open, and Jesus said, don't go tell anybody. Hmm? We'd want to get CNN out. (laughs) Did we get that on tape? Did we get it on tape? Hmm? There are all kinds of things that have happened and are happening right now. Phyllis and I had dinner with someone the other night. A well-documented case of somebody that had been dead for days being raised from the dead. They were embalmed. So we think that's harder, but hey. Let's see you raise one that's still warm. Uh-uh. People say, well, I just, I wish I could see a miracle. You know, it'd give me faith. Seeing miracles does not give you faith. No. No. You can see miracles and see miracles and still doubt. You can still explain it away. Mm -mm. The disciples saw Jesus walking on the water. You remember that? Coming to them. This is amazing. This is miraculous. He's walking His foot is resting on the wave. And the disciples saw him and were filled with faith. Huh? They're seeing miracles. They're seeing, aren't they? They're seeing signs. Right? What did the Bible say? Filled with fear. It scared them. And he told them to fear not about it. And he spoke to the wind and waves, and the next verse said, they feared it, so so they feared exceedingly. <laughs> My dad was in a healing line, Brother William Branham, years ago, and he said a woman standing right beside him had a huge goiter, said it was almost as big as her head. And he said while he stood beside her, and she was ministered to by the power of God, he said he saw with his own eyes he saw that thing just begin to shrink just like you stuck a pin in a balloon until it was just flat on the side of her neck. He said he wasn't two feet from her. He saw her. And he said outside, he said he, as he was leaving, he heard some guys standing around saying, he just had that fixed up. <laughs> I don't know how he did it, but he had that set up some way so that that looked like that. Seeing miracles does not make you believe. You can, I mean, you can see miracles for years and still doubt if you want to doubt. Still try to explain it away. No, you have to decide in your heart that you believe what he said. Amen.
If he said that he healed and he heals, you have to decide you believe that. Whether you see or whether you don't. Amen. Amen. Believing is not based on seeing. What the scriptures say? So then faith comes. By hearing. By what? Hearing. Hearing. That's how faith comes. By hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you hear the word and you understand what he's saying, then you have to decide whether you believe this or not. I mean, you know, like tithing and giving, those kind of things. You don't try tithing. (laughs) Well, I'm going to try this a while and see. You have to decide whether you believe it or not. And then you've got to make a commitment to it where you're going to do it whether it looks like it's working or not. And sometimes you have to stay with things for months and even years. But I'm telling you, it works. We've seen it. We've proven it. Nobody could beat it out of me with a bat. I believe it, not based on what I've seen, but based on the word. And the confirmation just makes you stronger. Jesus was tempted and this thing kept coming up, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God. He did not succumb to the temptation to try to demonstrate something to the devil or to try to prove that he had faith. I went through this stage in my life, just about every Christian that I've met that got serious about serving God, it goes through some of this. It's kind of like going through uh, spiritual teenage years. I mean, I understand sometimes teenagers get to thinking they know a lot. And then you grow some and you look back and go, man, was I dumb. What's dumb is when you're so dumb, you don't know you're dumb. That's bad. But when you actually begin to learn some things, the more you learn, the more you see you did not know. The more aware you are of how much more there is to know and understand. And that's the person that's really growing. Is a person who has an awareness of how much yet they need to grow and see but uh you know you people get into this thing about proving it well i'll prove my faith the enemy took jesus up to this pinnacle of the temple you remember that and he said you know if you're the son of god you're a man of faith and you're a son of god throw yourself off this pinnacle the devil quotes scriptures did you see that because it's written it's written He'll give his angels charge concerning you and they'll bear you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against the stone. That's in the scripture, isn't it? That's it. So what? So jump. Hmm? So jump. You know, we're studying the works and the ways of Jesus. Jesus did not just jump by somebody quoting a scripture. He knew the Father well enough. He knew the Spirit well enough. He knew the Word well enough to be led in all these situations. To have discernment and to know the difference. And just say back, it's also written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. You know, there are Christians that are confused. They have this fatalistic idea about faith and they say, well, you know, whatever is to be, will be. I can go out here and step in front of the semi-truck coming down the interstate, and if it is not for me to die, I will not die. (laughs) You do not know the Scriptures, and you don't know God very well. Did you hear me? 
You can die before your time. Did you hear me? Ecclesiastes say, why should you die not in your time? Not in your season, the margin says. The Bible talks about that wicked folk wouldn't live out half their years. But if you'd walk with God and obey Him, He would add to your days. He would lengthen your days. No, we have a lot more to do with it than people. You know, people like this no-fault religion. (laughs) they like, no matter what happens, it's not my fault. No matter what does not happen, it's not our fault. If our needs were met, if they weren't met, it just must not have been the will of God. If we got healed, we didn't get healed, it just must not have been the will of God. Uh, Whatever happened, it was the will of God. That is not true. People that die without Jesus, is that the will of God? People that go to hell, is that the will of God? People that are maimed and stolen from and killed and abused, is that the will of God? You're telling me that's the will of God? No, then obviously there's all kind of things going on that are not the will of God. Why are they happening? Because man and woman have a free will. And they can choose to obey God or they can choose not to. And many, 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 many are choosing not to. They're leaving God completely out of their life. And that's why you got all of this junk and all of this tragedy in the earth. And it's not God's will and it's not God's fault. And soon he's going to straighten it all up. That was a little weak. That should have been a lot better. Amen. And I said, soon he's going to straighten. Are you glad? I mean, we're close. Soon and very soon he's coming back. Amen. And he's going to straighten this thing out. And we're going to have some of the best weather that you have ever. Whoo, we're going to have. Not a, you can run through the woods barefooted. There won't be any thorns. won't be any stickers. Huh? No poison ivy. <laughs> no curse in the earth. And a new heavens and a new earth. And it's going to be that way forever and ever and ever and ever. And a million years from now, me and you will look at each other and go, ain't this great? Ain't this great? And God will say, you like this? We go, yeah, yeah, we like it. He said, you think this is something? We go, yeah, yeah. He said, look at this, look at this. And he'll unfold something else and we'll all go, whoo, ah. And throughout the ages, he's never going to run out. Oh, it's good to be saved. It's good to be saved. Mm, glory to God. But let's come back to now for living here and now. Some people pray that way. Lord Jesus, please come. Come come now. Come before tomorrow because see, I owe money. Uh, come now. No. No, he wants to come. For a victorious church. He wants to come back and see us with one foot on the devil's head. The blessings of God in our bosom. Amen. Victorious. He said occupy. Till I come. He defeated the enemy. He's won the battle and the victory. And now he's told us you occupy. You keep it. I got it. You hold it. Amen. And not only that. He gave us everything we need to do it with. Sword of the spirit. Amen. Word of God. Shield of faith. Holy Ghost. 
Jesus overcame these temptations and he knew who he was without stooping to try to prove it to the devil or do any silly thing in abusing the power or the authority that the Lord had given him to try to show anybody anything. We're not out about showing anybody anything. We're out about obeying God. Sometimes he'll say, tell it. Sometimes he'll say, don't tell it. It should be his decision, not ours. But I think that one thing that was happening during these 40 days and night, you have to understand, Jesus did not operate as God in the earth. He operated as a man. Philippians tells us, in one translation it says, he emptied himself. King James, I believe, says he laid aside his mighty weight and glory and became like other men. That's why he had to be anointed to minister. See, if he was operating as God, he wouldn't have needed to be anointed. But he did. And he operated as a man. And one of the biggest revelations, obviously, that was going on these 40 days and nights as he was waiting on the Father and obeying him out there in the wilderness, he was getting revelation of who he is. Did you hear me? And that's exactly what the enemy attacked. Who he is. And you'll find in Christendom that people are at two opposite poles of this truth. You have people in one ditch, and there's a lot of people in this ditch. They're nobody. Jesus is everything, and I'm nothing. I'm nobody. And if you just leave it at that, there's a truth there. But if you just leave it at that, the truth is I'm nothing If you say period, then you're wrong. And you'll be powerless and you'll be fruitless. You are nothing in yourself. Did you get this? But you are not just in yourself. Did you hear me? Well, I'm just nothing. If you take that stance, then the devil has you whipped. And if you, when you're reading these scriptures, don't just read them and say, well, yeah, but now that was Jesus. He could preach like that. That was Jesus. He could heal the sick. That was Jesus. He could have these miracles happen. And what you're doing and what so much of the church has done is they've taken the ministry of Jesus and they've put it in a class all by itself, unattainable to anybody else. And yet he's the one that came and said... The servant won't be above the master, but he'll be what? As his master. It's not just an opportunity, it's our call. It's our responsibility. Jesus, as our sacrifice, is in a category by himself. Nobody else is virgin born, the Son of God. Nobody else lived their whole life and never sinned. Right? He is in a category alone in that sense as our sinless, spotless sacrifice. But his ministry and his life that he lived and that he worked, he did that as an example for us to follow. Go to John 14 real quickly, please. John 14, verse 12. John 14, 12. Jesus is speaking. He said, verily, verily, I say to you, he that believes on me, 
How many qualify in that department in here? Do you believe on him? Your hand ought to be up. All right. Then Jesus is talking to you and to me. He that believes on me, what did he say? The works that I do are in a category by themselves. Hmm? What? The works that I do, only the Son of God could do. Hmm? That's what people are believing. The works that I do, what? What? The one that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these. I said, what about those greater works? How about you getting to doing the works first? <laughs> it's amazing how people come up and they want to talk about, where did Cain get his wife? <laughs> Who do you think the Antichrist is? And what they really need to know is, how do I raise my kid? <laughs> how do I keep from acting like a heathen at the job? What they ought to be asking is, how do I pay my bills? Did you hear me? That people want to be so hyper-spiritual. What do you think Elijah was thinking when he got caught up in that? Would would you just just read Matthew and and try to live right? (laughs) How did I get into all that? The works... That I do, Jesus said, the one that believes on me, he or she will do also. Do you believe this? Then that's our whole study here that we're into, the works and the ways of Jesus. Why are we looking at them? Just so we can go, isn't that something what Jesus did? You should be thinking what? Hmm? You should be thinking, I can do that. Can you hang on the cross and pay for the sins of mankind? No, you cannot. We've already talked about that. That's been done. Can you walk with the Father like Jesus walked with the Father on the earth? Can you please Him like Jesus pleased? Can you have a prayer life like He did? Hmm? Yes, you can. Can you see healings and deliverances? Can you see miracles? The answer is yes. Yes, yes. Yes. So when you're reading these things, every time you come across something Jesus did, I want you to back up just a second and go, now, can I do that? Hmm? We've been having a lot of bad weather. That's not part of God's original plan. You know, somebody said, well, you know, God blew my house down with a tornado. (laughs) Help me out. Where's, where's the scripture? There wouldn't even be any tornadoes if Adam and Eve hadn't messed up in the garden. There were no tornadoes in the garden. Or hurricanes. And when all this is fixed, there's not going to be any tornadoes in the future. These things are destructive. Who comes to steal and to kill and to destroy? John 10.10 says very plainly, it's the enemy, it's the devil. He's out to destroy men's lives. Did Jesus have any experience with storms? Huh? Did he? And what did he do? Hmm? 
Did you read about that? Matthew 8. Matthew 8, 23. Matthew 8, verse 23. When he, Jesus, was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea. That's a storm. Insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. That's not good. But Jesus was praying earnestly. Huh? What? There are two things you should do in storms. This is one of them. We're going to talk about the other one. I'm serious. You got a better example than Jesus? Huh? Every time you read these things, let me tell you what you're not supposed to do. Sit in the corner and wring your hands. Pace the floor and look out the window. Hey, but what if I die? What if you die? It's a good question. <laughs> Are you saved? Are you ready to die? Then you shouldn't be afraid to die. It's not okay for Christians to be afraid to die. The Bible said that if you're, you know, through fear of death, that people are all their lifetime subject to bondage. Hebrews talks about this. It is not okay for us to fear and panic and and watch the weather channel with a box of tissues. (laughs) Oh God, oh God, please don't let that come to us. Well now, is that the way Jesus did it? Then how come it's okay for you to do it that way? You got another example. If you're doing it a different way, you're following another example. Maybe it was your grandma. Maybe it was somebody else you knew. But is that okay to follow them instead of Jesus? No. No. Who should you act like? Jesus. How did Jesus deal with storms? (laughs) Number one, he slept. Right? He was sleeping like a baby in the back of this boat, pitching up and down, covered with waves, Thunder rolling, lightning crashing. I mean, you know, it's rough in a storm in your house. How about out in the water? In a little boat? I mean, they call it a ship, but you understand this is not a big ship. This is smallish boat. They wake him up. They say, Lord, save us. Because we're perishing. We're going to drown out here. If you read the other writers, one of them said, don't you care? Don't you care? We all going to drown out here? And verse 26, Jesus wiped his eyes and said, Man, I'm glad y'all woke me up. <laughs> Ooh, I'm, man, I, whew, if you'd have waited a little bit longer, because I'm the only one that could do anything about this. Me being the son of God and all. I know it ain't there, but people read it, don't they? People put it in there. With their religious crayons. What did Jesus say? First thing when they woke him up, what did he say? What did he say? He looked at them and he said, what's wrong with y'all? Right? What? What's wrong with you? Why are you so fearful, full of fear, and O oh, ye of little faith. Now what would you have said? Now don't, you know, I know you think you've read the Bible so you know the right answer, but try to push that aside for a minute and put yourself in the boat. You are wet. You are cold. Lightning just struck about a hundred feet from the boat. And the boat is full of water and there ain't no sump pump. 
And there ain't no marine radio to call anybody. And there ain't no life preservers. Hmm? And you're gripping the side of the boat. And another wave just slapped you in the face. And Jesus said, what are you so scared of? And what would you say? Tell me, what would you say? I don't know this this category four storm out here. Maybe. Maybe the fact that this boat is sinking. It's already full of water. Maybe it's the fact it's pitch dark and it's miles from the shore. You pick. Do you understand? None of those is an acceptable reply to the Lord. None of those. So you think you've got a good reason to be afraid, but to him, there's no good reason. Because you know what his answer to that is? God, this is a level four storm. And he would say, and I am Jesus. And I'm here. See, what people don't realize is they're making decisions. They decide this is worse than what God can fix. People have actually, it winds up with people having more faith in the enemy to hurt them than in God to keep them. More faith in cancer to kill them than God to heal them. If all you do is cry about the problem, if all you do is think about dying, then you have more faith in the disease than you do in the healer. It's just a fact. I didn't say you wasn't saved. I didn't say you don't love the Lord. If all you do is pace the floor and pull your hair and worry about your bills and cry, then you have more faith in poverty. You have more faith in lack. You have more faith in a troubled economy or business than you do in God to provide for you. We've all been there. We've all had our moments that we didn't do so hot. But Jesus is our example. And would he still ask you today when you're sitting there crying about your bills or crying about, would he say, what are you so scared of? Hmm? Where's your faith? What are you going to tell him? What are you going to tell him? The first thing you should say is, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Hmm? You've done too much for me. You have brought me through too many times. You have met my needs too many times for me to be sitting here crying like this and acting like this. I know you can do this for me. I know you want to do it for me. Forgive me. I'm going to stand up and act like a man of God. I'm going to stand up and act like a woman of God. I'm going to stand up and have faith here. Amen. And I'm going to trust you and I'm going to start praising instead of crying. I'm going to start giving thanks instead of fretting. That's what he wants to see. That's the kind of response he wants to hear out of us. Jesus spoke to them about that. Now get this. Why would he say that to them? Why are you so fearful? Because they could have done something about this themselves. Elsewise, why, why rebuke them? Why correct them? You shouldn't have. What did Jesus do then? He arose. Here's the second thing you do with storms. There are times when you need to get up. Amen. And he did what? He prayed earnestly. Huh? Now see, this is where people miss it. He prayed earnestly and he begged the Father to make this storm quit. You don't find him operating that way. 
You know most of the time when Jesus dealt with problems, he did not pray. He prayed a lot, but not when dealing with problems. You search the scriptures. See, you know, don't take my word for it. Search the scripture. When Jesus dealt with a sickness, when he dealt with a spirit, when he dealt with a problem, when he dealt with a storm, you'd be hard pressed to find him praying. It's very rare to see him pray about it. What did he do? He spoke to it. I mean, he's not praying to the Father. He's not talking to God. He's talking to what? He rebuked the winds and the sea. Can wind hear? Can water, can waves hear? Read the next phrase. What did it say? And there was a great calm. Apparently they can. Somebody said, yeah, but Brother Keith, that's Jesus. Read the next verse. Read the next verse. And the men marveled and they said, what manner of God? Hmm? What manner of what? Man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him. Skip to the ninth chapter real quickly. I'm trying to close now. Nine and eight. Nine, eight said, when the multitude saw it, they saw these these sick being healed, this paralyzed man who was healed. When they saw these things, they marveled and they glorified God. Which had what? Which had given such power to the Son of God only. Men, M-E-N, plural, men. Friend, we begin to see why there's such a huge problem of lack and deficiency and failure and lack of fruit and lack of results in the church. People are so many times praying when they should be saying They're praying, trying to get God to do something that he has already authorized us and told us to do. Amen. Go to Luke. You need another example real quick. Luke chapter 4. I think I'm closing. Everybody say, Jesus is my example. example. Anybody know Mark 11, 23 and 24? Anybody ever heard these great verses? What did it say? Whosoever, who would that work for? Whosoever would say unto God, God, please, please move the mountain. But that's what people are doing. Whoever would say to the mountain, that's you talking to the problem. Hmm? Be removed. Be cast into the sea. Don't doubt what he says, but believe that what he says will come to pass. He will have What he says, that's not prayer. That's you exercising authority. Amen? Amen. If something attacks your kidneys, what are you supposed to do? Hmm? Help me out, and I haven't been preaching all night for nothing now. You're supposed to say disease? You're not going to do this in my body? No, uh uh. Somebody said, well, now, Brother Keith, that's up to God. I've been giving you scripture all night. How would Jesus deal with it? How did he deal with it? Have you got a better example? He is the example. What did Jesus do? He spoke to disease. 
He spoke to spirits. He spoke to the fig tree. He spoke to the wind and the waves. And they obeyed him. Why? Because he knew who he was. I said he knew who he was. And he did it in faith. And he did it fully expecting it to happen. Amen. Amen. Now listen to me. Don't say a bunch of stuff just trying it out. Don't say a bunch of things. I'm going to try this. It's not going to work. You got to believe it. Amen. Amen. And so look at things and pray and stay in the word until something comes up in your heart. You know you have confidence to speak to it. And then stay with what you said. Look here in Luke. Luke 4 and verse 38. Jesus arose out of the synagogue and he entered into Simon's house. This is Luke 4, 38. And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever. And they besought him for her. And Jesus stood over her and prayed fervently. Father? Hmm? But is that a better way to do it than how Jesus did it? No, it's not. There's a time to pray. But there's a time not to pray, a time to say. A time to exercise authority in the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus rebuked Peter's mother-in-law. No. 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 He rebuked what? And now here we have examples of Jesus speaking to the wind, Jesus speaking to water. We already quoted about him talking about speaking to a tree and speaking to a mountain. And here speaking to fever. Modern society locks people up. <laughs> that's how ungodly so many folk that's how ignorant of the scriptures and of Jesus ways and workings that people are I remember reading that one day years ago and I thought now hold on hold on Jesus is talking to a fever a fever I thought can fevers hear can a fever hear and I read the rest of it what, what did it say what Woo, glory to God. And it left her. And immediately she got up and started waiting on them. Glory to God. Your baby's got a fever. You don't just pine away and think you're a helpless victim. What do you do? Speak to it. In Jesus' name. Say, no, you don't. Not in my house, you don't. No. Mm-mm. Get off my child. Hmm? See, folk are not doing this. The enemy trying to hold you up in your money, stop him. So you quit it in Jesus' name. You take your hands off of my money. You stop in all of your operations. You cease in all of your maneuvers and tactics against me and my money. I shut you down in Jesus' name. And then talk to it. Money, come to me. Sales, customers, everything I need. Devil try to cause problems in your family. Kids are acting crazy. Spouse is acting crazy. You're acting crazy. (laughs) Don't just sit there and take it. Realize what's going on. Speak up and say, no, you don't. No, you don't. You don't tear my house up. Hmm? Your stomach's acting up. It's your stomach. You have a right over it. Lay your hands on it. Speak to it. Don't just go, well, that's my old bad knee. 
You know, back in 1940, it went out on me, and it just, uh, it's bad nil. What can I say? I just be going along, and it just goes out. <laughs> and you have what you say. Stand up, everybody. We're going to act on this right now. Say it out loud in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I have power. I have power. I have authority. I have authority. In the name, in the name of Jesus. Of Jesus. I do not sit idly by while things go wrong. I have been authorized to use the name of Jesus. Now we're going to do something right now. We're going to release faith. And I'm telling you, healings are going to happen right now, right here. Some things are just going to flat happen. And other things are going to begin. Lay your hands on your body. Everybody, lay your hands on your body. Say it out loud in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Body, body, listen to me. Listen to me. Be, healed, be healed. Be whole. Be, whole. be, strong. be strong. Blood, blood be, clean. be clean. Be perfect. Be perfect. Glands, Glands, work normally. Work normally. Be, whole. be whole. Organs, Organs. heart. Be strong. Be clear of all congestion. Be healed and be strong. Lungs, be clear and be healthy. Kidneys, stomach, intestines, be clean, be healed, work normally, work properly. Bones, be strong. Be healed. Joints, be free. Be healthy. Skin, muscles, tissue, ligaments, be free from disease. Be clean. Be healed. Be whole. Be strong. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Release faith. Expect it to be that way. Hallelujah. Now lay your hands on your head. Lay your hands on your head, everybody, and say it out loud. Mind, be at rest. Be at peace. Be calm. Be clear and be strong. Be bright and sharp. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Lay your hands on your chest. Say it out loud. Soul, be still, be quiet, be at peace, and be free. Have joy and be full of peace. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Say it out loud. I call my family strong. I call my business strong. I call every bill paid. I call every debt paid off. I call every need met. I shut the enemy down. And I loose the angels. And I claim abundance. I say. Abundance, Abundance. Come, to me. come to me 
Come to me now. In Jesus' name. I will not lack. I will not want. I will have plenty. And I'll be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.